Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And we will be discussing chapters 23 and 24 today. Just two. Yay. Woo! <laughs> yes. Boo! No. <laughs> Do more work. I want to read more. Actually, it was the end of the volume for us, so it was a good place to end. <clears throat> it was the end of volume four of the full metal edition. So, But I guess on the downside, we're re- leaving uh, the volume with Risa on the cover. So mm-hmm. It's okay. Next volume has a Zumi on the cover. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> All right, so we'll uh, do the usual, go into our uh, summary slash recap, and then uh, discuss some stuff. Yay! Yeah, discussion. <laughs> yeah, I love talking. <laughs> That's why I made a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I love talking. Other people should love me talking, too. Yeah. <laughs> I like listening, too. I think. To yourself I mean, talk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> this goes along with our good life advice from last time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so chapter 23 opens with us still in flashback land. Ed and Al return to Resinbull after six months of training. The people at the train station are concerned they got kicked out coming back so soon, but they note that the boys look much more mature since they last saw them. Ed and Al head over to the Rockbell residence and chow down like the growing and possibly still island-starved boys they are. They chat happily until Winry asks what kind of training they did, which provokes looks of traumatized horror. No, it's all right. You don't have to tell us if you don't want to, Winry says hurriedly. <laughs> Some neighbor kids come by and say hi to Ed and Al and tell them that their dad was hoping to ask them a favor now that they're back in time to fix a sheep shed that got badly damaged in the last storm. I thought maybe you could help fix it with alchemy, the parents say, as Ed and Al look over the destroyed shed and then begin drawing lines in the dirt around it. You fixed small things for us in the past, but we never asked you to repair anything this big. If you could just fix the beams for us, we can get by the old-fashioned way. And then nearly before they finish talking, Ed and Al have finished drawing their circle and activated it, pulling the whole shed back together in seconds. How's that? Ed asks. I think that'll do. <laughs> The kids start heaping praise on Ed now, which they greatly enjoy. You're probably even better than your teacher now, huh? One asks, and they both quickly deny that. Our teacher doesn't even need a transmutation circle, Al explains. She just slaps her hands together like this, and boom. We still got a long way to go before we can do anything like that, Ed adds, and we transition back to a moment from their training with Izumi. Izumi casually fends off Ed Nell's attempts to attack her with martial arts while lecturing on alchemy and also reading a cookbook, like a boss. <laughs> yes. The foundation of alchemy is the power of the circle, she says. The circle dictates the flow of power, and when the proper runes are written within it, it is possible for the power to be released. Even when one isn't using alchemy, the flow of power has many practical applications. For example, and she tosses her cookbook into the air, catches Al's leg mid-kick, and uses his momentum to flip him and send him crashing down onto his back. The cookbook (laughs) then lands on his head for good measure. If you can read your opponent's movements, you can turn their techniques against them. That's one way of manipulating energy. She smiles and beckons to Ed, who has watched this go down with horror. Of course, experience is the fastest way to learn. (laughs) After the lesson, Izumi tends to the boys. She gently puts a bandage on Ed's face and pats him on the head while continuing her lecture. Accepting the flow, understanding it, and using it to create. That's what makes an alchemist an alchemist. But the flow extends far beyond the world we know. Death and new life are both a part of that great harmonious system. That's why we should never try to bring anyone back to life. Ed and I'll give each other a guilty look, but Izumi just gets up and goes to make lunch telling them to review what she taught them in the meantime. Um, energy circulation, transmutation circles, runes, Al begins. But, teacher, I've seen you transmute just by putting your palms together. I know that putting both hands together symbolizes a circle, but what about the runes? It's almost as if I myself am the runes, Izumi explains, but the boys don't quite get it. 
But how do we do it? Al asks. Izumi is silent for a moment, then says, if you arrive at the truth, you might be able to do it. Going back, or forward, as it were, to Resinbull, Ed attempts Izumi's transmutation method against the wall of their room with no success, and he fusses that she never did tell them what the truth was. Al says that he thinks she just meant they should keep studying diligently until they arrive at the truth on their own, which Ed takes as inspiration to keep working on their formula for human transmutation, because they've learned nothing. <laughs> I can't wait to see Mom again, Ed says, and Al happily agrees. Time goes by. The war ends. Rockbell Automail thrives in the aftermath. Seasons change, and Ed and Al continue to study and work on their formula. One summer day, Ed finishes it. The boys gather everything together, reciting their list of ingredients that we've heard before. They're cheerful while they work. What's the first thing you're going to say to mom? Al asks. That's easy, Ed answers with a laugh. Don't tell our teacher. <laughs> everything goes into a wide, shallow basin on the floor, and they carefully etch out the complicated transmutation circle and all its runes around it. Finally, they both nick a fingertip with a knife and let their blood drip over everything else. The last ingredient, parts of their souls. They place their hands on the circle, and the transmutation begins. They're excited at first, but they quickly realize something is going wrong. The sound changes. Shadows begin to twist in with the flashes of light. The shadows form grasping hands and begin to latch onto the boys, disintegrating Ed's leg and tearing apart Al's entire body. It's a rebound, Ed realizes in horror. He reaches for Al as he screams for his brother to help him. The last of Al's hand fades away inches from Ed's grasp, and then... Ed is in a pure white room, empty save for the massive set of stone doors suspended in the air behind him. He is unharmed and confused, wondering where he is and what he was just doing. He calls out for Al, but an unfamiliar voice replies, Hello. Who's there? Ed asks, whirling around. I am. I'm right in front of you. Ed looks down and finds a strange figure sitting before him. It's human-shaped, but completely white and featureless, only distinguishable from the void of the room by the hazy shadow surrounding it. Who are you? Ed asks. Oh, I'm so glad you asked, the figure replies cheerfully. I'm what you all would call the world, or the universe, or God, or truth, or all, or one. And, it finishes, pointing at Ed, I'm you. Welcome, you arrogant fool. The doors behind Ed open suddenly, revealing a pitch-black void cut by one huge staring eye. Shadowy hands spill out from the darkness, grabbing at Ed, wrapping around him and pulling him back. Hush now, the figure says calmly as Ed screams. This is what you've been longing for, isn't it? I'll show you the truth. And the door slams shut as Ed is dragged inside. What's happening to me, Ed thinks, panicked as he falls deeper into the darkness. A light appears, and endless streams of knowledge flow rapidly past Ed as the shadows drag him along with it. Bits of his body begin to disintegrate, pulled into that rushing stream. Stop, he thinks urgently. My head's going to burst. I'm being taken apart. No, please stop. As he's drawn toward the light, he sees a figure begin to take shape within it, a woman. Mom, he says, reaching out desperately. The figure made of light reaches back. And Ed is back beyond the doors, sweaty and shaken, but again unharmed. How was it? The featureless figure asks. Ed turns around to look back at the doors. It felt like, like all the secrets of the world were pouring into my brain. My head hurts, but somehow I was able to instantly comprehend everything. So this is the truth. He walks toward the doors and places his hands on the stone. My formula for human transmutation wasn't wrong. It just wasn't complete. I just need a little more time. The thing I'm looking for is just a little further ahead. Let me see it one more time. I'm begging you. No, no, the figure says. That's all I can show you for the toll you paid. The toll? Ed asks. That's right. The toll, the figure says. And as it takes a step forward, the lower half of Ed's left leg crumples away and reappears over top of its own featureless one. The figure stands directly in front of Ed, a shadow of a wicked grin suddenly visible on its blank face. You remember the law of equivalent exchange, don't you, alchemist? Thrust suddenly back into the real world, Ed screams in agony as he clutches at the stump of his leg, trying to stop the gushing blood. He yells out for Alphonse, but gets no response. It wasn't supposed to be like this, Ed cries, dragging himself across the floor. He's gone. Somebody help me. Mom! 
He looks desperately to their transmutation circle, but the creature within is not their mother. A heaving, wheezing mass of twisted limbs and protruding bones. Ed throws himself back in horror as it reaches out with a twitching hand, then coughs blood from its malformed mouth and slumps into a motionless heap. Ed clutches at his head, whole body shaking, terrified tears welling up in his eyes. This can't be, he mutters weakly. This isn't. Nausea rises up and he falls forward to vomit on the floor. I didn't want this, he says. Ow, it's all my fault. My fault. Ed grits his teeth, suddenly desperately determined. He finds a cloth to tie off his bleeding leg and knocks down the familiar suit of armor standing silent against the wall. He drags himself over and uses his own blood to draw the seal within the armor's body. Give him back, he grits out. That's my brother, you bastard. I don't care what the toll is. Take my other leg, or my arm. Take both of them. He raises his blood-stained hands above his head. You can even have my heart. Just give him back. He's the only family I have. And he slams his hands together in his first circle is transmutation. Back within the void, the figure looks down as a human arm appears over his featureless one. Back again, are we? It says, you really are a fool. Uh. <laughs> That's how chapter three ends on that charming note. <laughs> so many things happened. <laughs> I know. That's good stuff. I love that. I love all of I love everything about everything that happened in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we still have one chapter to sum up, <laughs> I guess. Or yep. or recap in detail. Yep. <laughs> chapter twenty four opens on a horse drawn cart clattering its way down a resin bull road. A local military man drives the cart, and in the back are Roy Mustang, now only a lieutenant colonel, and Riza Hawkeye, who has her hair cut short. We are clearly still in flashback land. Yes. Mm -hmm. The driver apologizes for the bumpy country ride and asks what brings them out here to the Elric House. I've heard reports of two brothers with a gift for alchemy, so I came to meet them myself, Roy says. The driver asks why they sent an officer all the way from East Headquarters to scout for state alchemists, and Roy says that recruitment is part of his job. And with all the losses from the Civil War, they need as many recruits as they can get. The driver chuckles that he can't wait to see those kids' faces when such a high-ranking officer comes knocking, which stops Roy short. Did you say, kids? The driver confirms, and Roy consults his paperwork. It says right here, Resinpool Village, Edward Elric, 31 years old. No, sir, he's 11 years old, the driver says. His brother is a year younger. What's the meaning of this, Second Lieutenant Hawkeye, Roy asks, holding the paper closer to his face. Hawkeye dryly says that either the document came through a time vortex or someone made a big mistake. <laughs> the driver laughs and suggests they meet the boys before they make any decisions. But the Elric house is dark, silent, and empty. Roy walks through the front room, taking note of all the books and a framed picture of Ed and Elle. He slowly opens the door to the study, and his eyes widen at the sight in front of him, the human transmutation circle stained dark with blood. Hawkeye notices bloody handprints on the wall. Where are they? Roy demands as the driver enters behind them. Where are the Elric brothers? The driver tells them that if they're not here, they're probably over at the Rockbells. Roy knocks loudly on the door to the Rockbell residence, then barges in past Panaka when she opens the door. Panaka is understandably affronted and asks what the heck is going on here. Hawkeye tries to smooth things over, politely explaining that they're here looking for the Elric brothers. Roy spots Ed in the corner, sitting slumped and dead-eyed in a wheelchair. Al in his armor body stands behind him. Roy walks up to him, looking furious. He grabs Ed by the collar and yells, I've been to your house. What the hell did you do? What did you create? Ed looks down, wordless, his face crumbling. Al reaches out and puts his hand on Roy's arm. I'm sorry, he says. Please forgive us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Roy stares. Later, Roy sits with the boys and Panaka at the kitchen table. He begins to talk about the state alchemist program. Full funding for all their work, unlimited access to classified research material, all the government's best facilities and research staff at their disposal. Those are just some of the privileges those boys would be afforded as state alchemists. Of course, in exchange, they would have to pledge loyalty and obey orders, but they'll have the ability to conduct research that would be impossible for civilians. They may even be able to find a way to regain their original bodies. But I thought the alchemist slogan was, alchemists work for the people, Al says, and Roy confirms that state alchemists aren't called dogs in the military for nothing. 
Panako asks him if he thinks the boys have what it takes to pass the licensing exam, and we can see a troubled-looking Winry listening in at the crack door as he answers. The transmutation circle in the Elric House, their knowledge of human transmutation, not to mention that they were able to transmute a soul of all things, have convinced me beyond a doubt. Panako takes her pipe from her mouth and blows out smoke. Lieutenant Colonel Mustang, she begins. After this child came crawling in here covered in blood, do you know what I did? I went to their house, and I buried that thing in their backyard. That thing, her expression grows grim as she remembers opening the door on the result of the boy's human transmutation attempt. That thing wasn't human, she says through gritted teeth. Alchemy created that monstrosity. Alchemy took away those kids' bodies. And you, you want them to do more of that? Is that what you want them to do with their lives? Outside the room, Winry approaches Hawkeye, who's sitting quietly, who's sitting quietly beside the door, and offers her tea. She accepts, and Winry sits down beside her with her own cup. Um, Lieutenant, Winry begins, and Hawkeye smiles and says she can just call her Risa and holds her hand out. Winry just stares at it, frowning. Miss Risa, have you ever shot a person? She asks. Hawkeye is startled. She draws her hand back and looks down at it. I have, she says. Many times, yes. Winry tells her she doesn't like soldiers. Her parents were killed when soldiers took them away to the battlefield, and now another one is trying to take Ed and Al away. I don't want them to become soldiers, she says. Please don't take them away. Hawkeye gently assures her that they're not going to take away the boys by force. It's their decision to make. She also confesses that she doesn't really like being a soldier either, having to be prepared to take a life if the situation calls for it. Winry asks why she's in the military then. Because there's someone I need to protect, she says. The next several panels switch back and forth between Roy talking to Panako and the boys and Hawkeye talking to Winry. Miss Rockbell, I'm not forcing these boys to do anything, Roy says, while Hawkeye says, it's not something I'm being forced to do. It's something that I decided for myself. Roy again, I am merely offering an opportunity. Then Hawkeye, I pulled the trigger of my own free will because I need to keep that person safe. Roy, loudly now, almost aggressively, you can choose to live the rest of your days as a self-pitying cripple with a suit of armor for a brother, or you can make a real contribution to alchemy by allying yourself with the military and find a way to change yourself back. Hawkeye, still quiet. Until the day that person reaches his goal, I will pull the trigger without hesitation. The choice is up to you, both of you, Roy wraps up, and Hawkeye reaches her own conclusion. If those boys have strong wills, they'll know what the right place is for them, although they may have to wade through a river of mud to get there. Roy stands and hands over some information to Al and tells him to come to the East City headquarters if they decide to enlist. He heads out the door and Hawkeye stands to join him. I'll see you later, little girl, she says. Oh, my name is Winry. And Winry offers her hand. Hawkeye smiles and takes it. Back in the cart rolling out of town, Hawkeye asks Roy if he thinks the boys will come, and he confidently says that they will. Hawkeye is less certain. Judging by the look in that boy's eyes, I'd say he was beyond help. You think so? Roy asks. I saw eyes that were burning like fire. And inside the Rockville house, Ed's eyes indeed blaze. Later on, Ed is preparing to undergo automail surgery. Panaco asks if he's sure about this, and he confirms that he's made up his mind, and he asks how long the recovery will be. It'll be at least three years before you're able to move around, Panaco tells him, to which Ed firmly declares, one year. Panaco and Winry both look shocked. Then Panaco smiles grimly and says, you're going to go through hell. Ed nods, then turns to ask Al to be patient for just a little longer. I'll get your original body back, I promise. Okay, Al agrees, but only if you get your body back too, big brother. More time passes. Ed's hair grows long enough to be tied back into its familiar braid for the first time. Ed spars with Al, working to get fully used to his automail arm and leg. They fight to a draw, and Ed clenches his metal fist in satisfaction. All right, he says. Then a wrench hits him on the head. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Are you trying to break my automail? Winry yells. Ed yells back, insisting that Winry is not cute at all, and Winry says that she doesn't care about that. Until the day you get your original body back, I'm going to be your backup, she declares, and you better thank me for it. 
She stomps off, Ed pouts, and Al teases him for their budding bicker romance. <laughs> <laughs> and now then chat about the fact that Ed hasn't actually tried any alchemy since transmuting Al's soul, and he worries a bit that he won't even be able to do it anymore. He puts his hands together, takes a deep breath, and then successfully transmutes a somewhat crude blade from his automill arm. Ed is excited that it worked, but Al is even more excited. That's amazing, big brother. You learned the trick that our teacher does. Ed is surprised to learn that Al can't do it too. Al, when you were transmuted, didn't you see that thing? He asks. What do you mean that thing? Never mind, Ed says. It's nothing. Winry then channels her inner pro wrestler and hits Ed with a folding chair for alchemifying <laughs> her automail. <laughs> Hurry up and put it back the way it was. <laughs> More time passes and Ed has made the trip to East City to meet up with Roy and take him up on his offer. Roy corrects Ed when he greets him sullenly as Lieutenant Colonel, saying he's got promoted while, it was while he was taking so long to make up his mind, and then asks Ed if he's sure he wants to do this. Ed responds by barking and asking if he needs to <laughs> wag his tail, too. Roy smirks. All right, then. Let's head out to Central. And over in Central, it turns out Ed will have a special audience for his state alchemist exam, the Fuhrer himself. He doesn't usually observe, but he's interested to see a 12-year-old taking the exam. Another soldier isn't sure about a kid testing, but the Fuhrer says that age doesn't matter. As long as he's talented, there's a place for him in the military. It's as simple as that. The Fuhrer greets Ed and asks about his prosthetic arm, and Ed smoothly lies and says that he got it in the Civil War. Ah, yes, those Ishvalans put up quite a resistance, the Fuhrer says casually, then takes his place at the head of the room and calls for the test to begin. Ed asks who that was, and then frowns in thought when he's told it's the Fuhrer. Ed puts his hands together to begin his transmutation, which catches the attention of many of the observers, and then creates a long bladed spear from the material of the floor. The Fuhrer seems impressed, and then Ed suddenly lunges toward him with the weapon. The guards and observers panic, but the Fuhrer stays calm, and Ed stops just short of striking him. Several soldiers hold guns to Ed's head, but the Fuhrer waves them away, and Ed lowers the weapon. If I really was an assassin, you'd be dead right now, he says. Maybe you guys should rethink this testing process? <laughs> Hmm, that's true, the Fuhrer says, still completely calm. I'll give it some thought. One of the other observers begins screaming at Ed that he failed for that stunt, but the Fuhrer reminds him that it's not his decision. His written test and psychological evaluation were both adequate, were they not? And his practical ability is obviously superb. And most importantly, he's got a lot of guts. The Fuhrer smiles and begins striding away. He's just a little inexperienced in the ways of the world, that's all. Ed is puzzled for a moment, until the tip of his spear suddenly falls to the ground, cleanly sliced off. He realizes that the Fuhrer, laughing cheerfully as he leaves, has his saber in hand. When did he draw his sword? Ed wonders, <laughs> astonished. Outside, Ed walks with Roy and Hawkeye. Roy was entertained by the show, but he warns Ed that if he earns his license, it can be immediately revoked if anyone doubts his loyalty to the Fuhrer. Ed says that he could give him the same warning. When I pointed my spear at that old guy, you were the only one who didn't seem alarmed, Colonel. Hardly the reaction of a loyal subordinate. Hawkeye, with a sigh, agrees. In those kinds of situations, you should at least act like you're worried. Roy doesn't bother hiding it now, though, even telling Ed that killing the Fuhrer would have opened up a position for himself. Ed entertains the idea of reporting that to Roy's superiors, but Roy laughs that threat off. He reminds Ed that there are three big rules for state alchemists. Do not create humans, do not create gold, swear absolute loyalty to the military. Even though the process was incomplete, you guys did try to transmute a human being, he says. If that were to come to light, your career would be over before it started, and your brother might even be sent to the lab for study. Panicked realization springs up on Ed's face while Roy tells him to just quietly accept his license and keep his past a secret. Meanwhile, Roy will benefit from having recruited such a talented alchemist. As long as the secrets stay secret, they both win. Elsewhere, the decision about Ed's license is being made. Isn't he too young? Age is irrelevant. That boy is the most talented recruit we've seen in years. Better to chain him to the military now before he gets involved with another organization. Very well, if that is what you wish. Have you decided on his code name? Yes, it may sound a little imposing for a 12-year-old, but he'll grow into it with time. Later in Roy's office, Roy gives Ed his pocket watch and official paperwork in a not-at-all ceremonial style. <laughs> Congratulations, you're now officially a dog of the military, he says, handing over the certificate. 
Ed takes it out and begins to read. By the power vested in me as fear, I, King Bradley, hereby bestow upon Edward Elric the title of Full Metal. He pauses. Full Metal? That's right, Roy says. When you become a state alchemist, you get a code name. From now on, you'll be known as the Full Metal Alchemist. Title drop. <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I've heard it before, but that feels like the real title drop of the series. Does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ed raises an eyebrow, then grins. Kind of a mouthful, huh? He says, I'll take it. And that's the end of chapter 24. Yay. Mm-hmm. Also, by Full Metal Alchemist, don't you mean the Full Metal Alchemist? <laughs> full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yay? <laughs> I mean... It's been zero days since our last child dismemberment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's technically the same child dismemberment we started on. So. I mean... Yeah... <laughs> A little it more graphic. Technically, <laughs> the same time. Although, speaking of which, I remembered there, the the chimera, be or the homunculus, whatever you want to call it, the, the homunculus, being a lot more graphic in the anime than it was shown yeah. here. But I kind of like it. I like that it's hidden. Mm-hmm. More, mm-hmm. there's more left to the imagination, which makes it scarier. I yeah. think. Yeah. I feel like it also comes off like almost pitiable. Yeah, mm-hmm. it should be. All you see yeah. is wheezing. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I feel like it's the first couple times we saw like glimpses of it. It was just like straight up horrific. But this mm-hmm. time you're kind of like, oh, uh, oh that's uh, a pleasant yeah. existence. <laughs> no, it's even less pleasant than the the lie the animal that said it wanted to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that animal could speak. This could only wheeze, mm-hmm. and you could see like ribs and shit coming out of it. Like it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that doesn't look, look pleasant at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that make it so unsettling in the anime is that it moves too. Yes, of course. And I think that just really adds to it. Um, the motion and the sound effect. The one mm-hmm. that's not coming from your own head when you read it. Yeah. yeah. The one you can't control. <laughs> yeah. Although the little like twitch twitch around the hand. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, creepy. it's still pretty Plus the hand still like flops down and mm-hmm. you can see that it's like, so the thing... Like, I guess it's supposed to be in shadow because the hand flops down and it's still, like, skin tone. Like, it's, like, an outlined hand. Like, it's not, like, a darkened hand, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It looks like a regular arm, but then you see the rest and it's like, oh, that's not a regular body at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Pinaco buried it like a champ. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, when I read that part because I definitely mm-hmm. didn't remember that. Yeah, Pinaco's the series uh, underrated badass, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely the badass of the series. Um, for sure. I mean, there's a bunch of badasses in the series, but yeah. But yeah, when she said, I was like, oh, I don't know. It's just so intense and uh, yeah. respectable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Panaka says a lot of like addresses like a lot of really like awful things in the really like straightforward way. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, we had her like talking about the uh, like the results of the war in an earlier chapter. Mm-hmm. That's true. The stuff just kind of a like matter of fact kind of way, and it's kind of the same thing here. Where it's like, yeah, after this child came crawling to me covered in blood, I went and buried that thing in their backyard. Yeah, and then she's like, so you want them to just... Alchemy took away their bodies and, like, made that awful thing. And so you want them to keep doing that, huh? Is that mm-hmm. what you want, huh? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah, I like how she's, like... Like, she's obviously, like, you know, looking out for Ed now and, you know, everything, but still, like, lets them make their own decisions, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" To the mm-hmm. about the uh, sur- the automail surgery. Yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. like, "It'll be three years before you can walk," and he's like, "I'll make it one." Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, she definitely is watching out for them, and like, mm-hmm. also like that she wasn't like 
I don't think she was really like judgmental about at least it's hard to tell in this if she was, but she seemed to be like I guess maybe she understands their desire to want to bring their mother back and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. she was kind of like this is a thing that they did but wasn't like being harsh to them about it. Yeah. yeah. And like she kind of helps them I mean she helps Ed with the the auto mail and stuff and like I think supports them in trying to restore what was sacrificed, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm didn't seem to be super like judgmental about what they had done other than in the facts like you said about how much it had fucked up them as like as little kids not necessarily about them doing the something wrong you know what i yeah. mean so that's kind of refreshing mm-hmm. so you know, we talk in our, our other podcast talk about um good dad kazuma i think we had uh, <laughs> good grandma panako good grandma. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> good granny panako mm-hmm. i mean somebody has to be the parent yeah, <laughs> yeah. as stated the teens can't be parents. Mm-hmm. I do like the fact that they Roy and Risa came there on like a on false information. <laughs> yeah, that Ed is like thirty one. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What is this?" She's like, "I don't know. Must be a mistake." Like, what other way is there to explain it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. We didn't. We hadn't seen before. It's like we know that Roy knows about what happened, but I had assumed before that Ed and Al, I mean, told him what happened, which I guess they do in this, but he went to their house and, like, saw the evidence mm-hmm. yeah. before he met them. So mm-hmm. an interesting yeah, kind introduction. Of, <laughs> yeah, and kind of explains some of the those interactions we've seen between the those four characters in the past. It's like, oh, they they go pretty far right. back in the scheme of things. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Risa knows all the same things mm-hmm. that he does, and they all keep yeah. it a secret. Yeah. Oh, I like that Den was outside barking at them like a good dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can understand why it's kind of a grump about Roy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Roy's just using him for his own promotion, and he knows yeah. that Roy's, like, social climbing. Like, he knows, mm-hmm. he was like, by the way, <laughs> you yeah. should watch out for yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. during the um, the test, after the test. Yeah. So. It's kind of funny. You don't really notice, like, Roy not reacting until he points it out. And then you look at it. It's kind of hysterical. He's just sitting there like, huh, huh. while everyone else is, like, freaking out. Yeah. yeah. He looks, like, moderately freaked out. At first, I was just like, oh, he's probably just, like, more chill about it. But I think, yeah. like, yeah, Ed being like, you should look more upset is yeah. probably a good call. And Reese is just like, yeah, you, you really should. Yeah. <laughs> She's just kind of like, it's like, sigh. Yeah. Isn't she, like, holding her head in that scene, too? Yeah. We learned that Riza has someone that she has to protect. Mm-hmm. I wonder who it could possibly be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> I think the um, interchanging panels make it pretty obvious. I, l- I really yeah. like that scene, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that that's structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I had trouble figuring out how to summarize it. Like... Well, you should have made, made somebody else read it, like when I made yeah. that Kakuru argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know how you describe it. It's better just read or, or verbalized, mm-hmm. I guess. Not narrated yeah. by you, by us, <laughs> by yeah. somebody re-describing it. <laughs> yeah, it says, like, I think we've talked about it a little bit in, like, the past podcast. I think about it, like, every medium has its own, like, strength that only it can do. And so, like, mm-hmm. there's some things that it's really hard to translate from the, you know, like, visual, like, medium. graphic novel medium to even just summarizing it. Te- like Yeah, text, mm-hmm. verbalizing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are also so many visual things that are so subtle that you just pick up on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. subtly that are difficult to verbalize too yeah um, like there's a lot of like paneling i really like in these chapters like um like that one where it's like 
it's these narrow, wide panels that are like the same size, and it goes back and forth between uh, mm-hmm. Roy and Risa talking. Risa's panel backgrounds are like super dark. Mm-hmm. Roy's are super are light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it like kind of adds to the contrast there. I don't know what they're what across trying to show with the contrast there, but I mean, I think it's more just about their personalities. Mm-hmm. I think we've mm-hmm. seen that earlier too, where we saw how like Risa treats Ed now versus the way that Roy does. Like Roy's mm-hmm. basically badgering them into making the choice to like yeah. to join the military, and Risa's like, "Well, they'll they'll realize what the right path is for them." Mm-hmm. Like I don't like that. It's a I have mixed feelings about joining the military, but I know that it's something I have to do. And if Ed and Al are strong, they'll also realize where they need to be. Mm-hmm. That's all part of that same scene, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked that. It was very skillful. <laughs> mm-hmm. My one of my favorite panels in this is when Ed is getting pulled into the void, <laughs> mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I don't really want to change the subject yet to that because that's a big subject to talk about. Yeah. But <laughs> when he's getting pulled into the void, it has this like spirally effect. It reminds me of this. There's this famous uh, poster for a movie called Vertigo, mm-hmm. where it's like the spirally. Um, it has this spirally kind of background. It reminded me of that. Yeah, you would know it if you saw it. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it was by a famous graphic designer named Saul Bass. In case anybody cares, this is what I'm bringing to the table today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, reminding me. Yeah, of really that. strong um, demonstrations of uh, Arkaw's use of shadow and light in these chapters for mm-hmm. obvious yeah. reasons. Um, Once again, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As every time we talk about, every time we read mm-hmm. these, I feel like there's it's never not on display. That's yeah. like I think of, like we talked earlier about. Some of the key, like, visual, like, things in her style, I guess. Like, how she draws mm-hmm. kind of, like, people with kind of, like, square-ish and kind of, like, chunkier people mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, all, often. And people all look super distinct. Like, all the main characters look really distinct and different from each other. And um, this, like, style of paneling that she does where mm-hmm. it's, like, very simple panel structure itself. Like, there's not a lot of like overlapping panels or anything like that, mm-hmm. but and then yeah, this like very high contrast shading. I feel like she uses a lot. Yeah, and there's not a lot of like gray shadows. It's all like dark, uh, like very dark, kind of like um, I don't know how you would describe it. There's just not a lot of very. There's a lot of. High, it's like a kind of high contrast, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a like a chiaroscuro kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not sure that's how you pronounce it. I feel I like I pronounce it differently every time I say it. <laughs> Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro, according mm-hmm. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard that term before. Yeah. Uh, a strong contrast <laughs> of between light and dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it is like that. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely creates panels like that often. Yes. Especially in these scenes like the one like where Ed's getting pulled into the void, where it's like a, a very emotionally intense scene. Mm-hmm. Same with like I'm just flipping through it because I was yeah, like the, the void ones and about. like the stuff with the truth since it's a it's a being it's all that's white. all white yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's the opposite mm-hmm. but even looking back like looking at the the one where they were on the island that we read last time where like Mason is like do you want to die and Ed is completely outlined in black mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he's like lying on the ground and stuff yeah yeah and when they talk in this one um, or like in the chapters we read this time. Al is like, but teacher, I've seen you transmute things just by putting your hands together. They're Ed and Al are both outlined in black, like the whole panel is completely filled black behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's of definitely, course it's white. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite like parts of Arakawa's visual language. Mm-hmm. 
it's just very like a lot of it's just something you don't see very much mm-hmm. yeah and it's very clean like yes i feel like you see a lot of um like really crowded panels in um mm-hmm. in graphic yeah. novels and manga where there's like all sorts of textures and all sorts of stuff going on but yeah, I think a lesser person would have really filled in the background in the void or something or added yeah. a texture or not lesser. That's mean to say, but yeah. someone with a different visual style mm-hmm. without yeah. this and kind it's of not visual like, style would do it. Yeah, and it's not like backgrounds are a weakness for her because you see very detailed backgrounds oh. in other scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like she's like taking a shortcut. Well, it's obviously a choice. Definitely <laughs> purposeful. Mm-hmm. Like there's the scene in the, um, speaking of which, you can tell in the, like when Ed comes out of the void, and he's back in the office. The room, you can't see most of the room, but you can see all this kind of like smoky texture mm-hmm. and the homunculus there in the middle. It's like yeah. you can't see the rest of the office. We know what the office looks like. She's drawn it a lot of times. It's a complicated background, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there she's chosen to just focus on the homunculus. That's, I feel like it's a very, she definitely chooses specific things to focus on. Yeah. And I like that. Even the close up of like Reese's expressions. In that mm-hmm. scene where the back and forth scene that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're all pretty close on her face and Roy's face too. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say another set of panels I really like are the, the like three tri- time transition panels, like from right before Ed's automail surgery to when he's fighting. And it's got those like three long panels that cover the whole page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the last one has like Ed with his uh, like long hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it just communicates so much with so little. Yeah. There's almost nothing on that page. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's literally nothing. It's very, <laughs> I don't know, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those pages that's always like stuck out at me. Like I always remember it. You can do a lot with very little. It's like a sort of triptych kind of thing there. Yeah, nothing, because nothing. It's, sort of like, it's like one big picture, but it's like cut into the three panels. Yeah. And it's just like a little bit of like leaves on the wind in the first two panels. I mean, it's also a deliberate choice to not use space in a limited deal. I mean, they'll only publish a certain amount of pages for you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. To not fill a page with a lot of stuff in a manga yeah. is a, a strong and deliberate choice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> At least I would think. There's some other ones here that are also just dialogue. Like yeah. where he's, um, the time between, where or where they're making the decision about him. Mm-hmm. It's just like blackness. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dialogue, yeah. too. Like, that's nice, too. These little, yeah. like, uneven panels. Mm-hmm. It adds to the mystery around the selection, even mm-hmm. though I think it's supposed to be the fear and somebody else talking. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it works to communicate the kind of like, kind of higher uncaring powers deciding this, <laughs> you know, to let this child into the military. Like, I mean, that is super questionable. Yeah, <laughs> I like all the talk of, um, and by like I mean it's horrifying. All the talk of them being like. Well, if he's skilled, it doesn't matter. We need mm. more recruits. Everybody's gone after the war. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> this really okay mm-hmm. yeah a line that i like hadn't remembered before but like i found kind of oddly chilling this time was the like like better to like chain him to the military now before he joins another yeah some other organization yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. extra horrifying mm-hmm. i did enjoy it being sassy during the um exam though oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's great <laughs> it being a little shit yeah i mean <laughs> I also like the the fear president. Fear president. The fear yeah. <laughs> was like uh, was like it's okay. He just doesn't understand the ways of the world yet, and just kind of was like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But of course, he'd already sliced the blade anyway, or sliced yeah. the spear anyway, which was also yeah. great. I like when he, yeah. I did definitely didn't notice that, and I looked back and I was like, oh, his blade is down already. Mm-hmm. In the panel mm-hmm. right after. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, and then I was kind of like, oh shit, 
like this guy mm-hmm. is somebody to not be <laughs> to yeah. not be taken lightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense because he's been selected as the supreme military leader, but yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or has risen to that rank or whatever. But yeah, Roy's really like going to have to first... step it up if he wants to be here. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, like our first introduction to the Fury is kind of like unnerving, but this is the first time you kind of get like, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because also he was being kind of goofy where he was like sneaking around and being like, oh, avoiding my guard. See you later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was a little, a little bit like, not like, why are you sneaking around or like, why are you, um, you know, like, why is everyone so afraid of you other than his position? But yeah, he definitely seems to be like someone who you should yeah. be concerned about. With. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> fuck with him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not fuck with. Yes. <laughs> So while we were talking, um, I had a thought about those those panels with uh, Hawkeye and Roy. Mm-hmm. So you know we're talking about the the sh- shading, and how for Hawkeye, it's all black around her, and she's really the only thing drawn. Mm-hmm. And with Mustang, everything I mean you know is more or less you you can see sort of all around him. And I think it might be that sh- Hawkeye is talking about why she joined the military and she's being a lot more like introspective Mm -hmm. and Roy is sort of not asserting his will but sort of trying to I guess maybe bring Ed to the same conclusion that maybe he's come up with is that Mm -hmm. you may not like being a dog in the military but that may be the stepping stone you need to achieve your goals yeah and I think like Roy is making a pitch like yeah yes at least yeah Mm-hmm. not a very traditional one but he's, yeah, yeah. he's making a pitch yes <laughs> whereas reese is being kind of have almost a almost a confession mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right it is more introspective on her part and... Mm-hmm. yeah and the, the panels are so much closer on reese mm-hmm. than they are on roy mm-hmm. yeah. like they're both like the the focus of their panels but like we have a panel where like you can really only see her eye and like only see the bottom her half mouth. of her face yeah stuff, so yes Oh, and when we came around to uh, to Riza in the end too, which was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I like their little conversation. There's a cute um, bonus chapter that uh, I can't find anywhere online. Otherwise, I would link it to you no. guys. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. Um, it starts off with like uh, like Ed and Al are like about to go back to Risenbull to get his automobile fixed, and Al suggests they buy Winry a souvenir so she's not as angry. <laughs> and they wind up like buying her some earrings because she just got her ears pierced. And then he like does that, does that a couple times, like buys your earrings and is like, you're a gift as like a defense. <laughs> um, and she winds up like piercing her ears a couple more times, like so that she can wear them all because she was happy that they were, like brought her gifts, oh, which is why you see nice. Reese, which why you see Winry has multiple um, ear piercings. Oh, that's um, cute. But then it turned out they asked like why she got her ears pierced, and she's like, oh, when that like Hawkeye lady came by, she had her ears pierced, and I thought it looked cool. And then. Like, it turns out that like Risa like grew her hair out afterward also because she's like, Oh, I met a girl who had long hair and I thought it'd be cool to basically. <laughs> and so it's just kind of a cute little thing where it's they so have this cute. like tiny this small little impact on each other. That's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like how when Risa's leaving, she's like, See you later, little girl, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, she never told her her name. Yeah. <laughs> but they shake at the end. Yeah, and those are pretty heartbreaking. And when we'd be like, I don't like soldiers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's why legitimate. Would yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Like begging them not to take Adnall away and turn them into soldiers. Like, yeah. 
yeah. it's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it's all logical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're clearly very close. I mean, we've talked about it a lot already. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just some more fuel to the heartbreaking fire that continues to burn in yeah. FMA. <laughs> 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 so the, in my note it says the fear is definitely cool than being a child with the eyes wide emoji yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah and then it turned out that the fear is the one who gives them their code names <laughs> yeah so I guess we can't pick our our alchemist names after all <laughs> I guess not somebody needs to dole them out <laughs> it's like what would the president call us <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's no. not go there <laughs> we can wait a few months until it's a different president <laughs> <laughs> So the fear is the fear the leader of the country, or is he just the leader of the military, or is it both? I think, I think okay. both. I think he's the like de facto leader of the country. I think there's some mention made of like a basically useless parliament at some point. Okay. Because mm. they said because they when they're introducing him to Ed, they're like that guy's the leader of the military. Mm-hmm. But I always, I mean, mm-hmm. in, remembered and interpreted him to be the leader of the the yeah. government also. So. I think yeah. he, for all intents and purposes, is. Yeah. Well, he's clearly a badass. Yeah. In some way, so wouldn't yeah. be surprised. It's like he's the leader of the military, but um, Amestris is a military state, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. The leader of the military yeah. is basically the most important person. So. I mean, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. I did also like how Roy's just like, yeah, here's some papers or whatever when he hands it over to to Ed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not gonna read it, so you check. <laughs> Yeah, check this shit. Anyway, here's your here's your thing. Welcome to the military. <laughs> yeah, and Ed is like, can you do your job? So <laughs> yeah. So about that, I had a thought. Like, I mean, Ed is thirteen or so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's thirteen. And Actually, I mean, there's some he's other like a younger. Tw- he's probably twelve. Yeah, he was twelve. Year. Um, or was he eleven? He said the Roy driver said that he was eleven because yeah. I double checked that because I yeah. wanted. To see yeah, and I think they say he's twelve when he takes the tests. So. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so, I mean, he's the youngest, but, like, there's some people who are kind of young who get that. What if they get a name and then, like, 15 years later, their alchemy styles is completely <laughs> different and it no longer Doesn't reflects matter. their name? Like, well, do they have a process to change <laughs> that? You can't ask the Fuhrer for a new name. You can't just ask people why their nickname is that, Cosm. <laughs> I mean, his nickname doesn't have to anything to do with his alchemy either. It just has to do with how he's got a prosthetic arm the fear noticed it when he showed up i guess mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess it kind of does but he didn't even transmute it during the test so it's not like the fear would know about that seems like it's kind of just whatever the fear wants to call them yeah yeah i wrote in my notes that it's like mi6 they just get a number you know yeah <laughs> like james mm-hmm. bond he didn't get to pick his number because <laughs> <laughs> like rose is straight up just the flame alchemist which is i do like how roy is like yeah well roy is like i didn't think the fear could be that like funny or whatever <laughs> or that uh that creative so yeah i mean i guess when he gave roy his nickname it was just like so you make fire huh yeah <laughs> flame alchemist it is so far everybody we've met has yeah. pretty straightforward nicknames mm-hmm. yeah what was armstrong's i forget <laughs> he's the strong arm alchemist <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah it makes that joke even funnier actually <laughs> Roy is like i didn't think the fear was that creative <laughs> Although, I mean, full metal is a military term, so it's kind of a pun. Yeah. Yeah. Something I didn't realize, and I don't know if this translates in, in Japanese as well, but strong arm, you know, that's sort of a term to sort of get someone to to do something they don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to do. And Armstrong does that all the time to get people to confess about their secrets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I wonder if that 
I mean, it works in English mm-hmm. at least. So. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I don't know what what the what would you call that type type of thing metaphor of strong arming somebody into doing something. I don't know mm-hmm. what the like equivalent pun would be in Japanese. Apparently, it's yeah. go on no renkinjutsu, sushi, whatever <laughs> for strong arm alchemist. Strong arm. <laughs> Stout arm. Ability to carry a difficult job. A capable person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it says there's another meaning of being a capable person, so. Mm-hmm. But not that, not, I don't think it's the same in the sense of, like, strong arming as in yeah. forcing somebody to do yeah. something. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty specific, um. I don't even know like, what the yeah, word yeah, for yeah. that type of construct is in English, <laughs> like. Yeah. It's fine. Somebody screaming in the in yeah. the void, listening to us talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess it's kind of a metaphor. Yeah, your neighbors—they're <laughs> always screaming in the they're void. Just, yeah, they're just excited about alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> they're excited about metaphors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to get to the big guns? Dive into all the alchemy symbolism crap. Or... I want to talk about Izumi first. Okay. Before before that, well, there's one more thing we can talk about before mm-hmm. that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like how she was teaching them while reading a cookbook and fighting them at the same yeah. time. It's like also a badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like yes. how at first glance you might think she's like lecturing from the book, but then that's you look I and thought. you're like, no, that's a that's a cookbook. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what she's talking. Well, about. I thought it was like her notes also in the form of a cookbook, but I think it yeah. was actually just a cookbook because she's like, what do I need to make for lunch? I have yeah. like train. You didn't mention it in your dialogue, but she's like, I have the train yeah. like training from hell, like scheduled for later, so you need yeah. a lot of calories or something. <laughs> Yeah. That was funny. Mm-hmm. I also like that she like patched them up after. That scene was cute too. Mm-hmm. Where she's yeah. like, and don't disrupt the flow. And then putting a little bandage on like Ed's nose at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever you she's do, like, don't feed them after midnight. Yeah, <laughs> and they like look guiltily at each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, she said, I mean, she implied that she knew that they were well, planning to do that all along. And she was like, I need to steer them down the right path, which definitely yeah. didn't work, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I feel like in the present timeline, Izumi's like, "What the fuck did I just say?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just told you that the most important thing not to do, and then you went and did it. Not even a year later, <laughs> or whatever. Several, maybe several years later. It's hard to tell. There was the transition of time there, also. Yeah, I think there was not quite a year because you could see like seasons changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like, like they got home, and then it yeah. was like winter, and then it was like spring again, and then yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look at it again, but yeah, it seemed like about a year after yeah. they got back. So not even a year later, mm-hmm. <laughs> directly breaking mm-hmm. the rules of what their teacher said. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting some of the things that she says, which is like accepting the flow, understanding it, and using it to create, or what al- what makes an alchemist an alchemist, and that death and life are part of that cycle. Mm-hmm. Which again is also why you should never try to bring anyone back from yeah. From the dead. <laughs> yeah. And they ask about her being able to put her hands together. And then she says, if you arrive at the truth, you might be able to do it. And now thinks that you just have to study harder. I'm just mm-hmm. like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, no, I mean, literally. <laughs> literally, you have to arrive at the truth. Yeah. yeah. So you have to meet the truth. That guy's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you have to literally arrive at the door of truth. Yeah. And yeah, I think I was glad that you also narrated that when... Al, when Ed transmutes Al to soul to the armor, that's the first time he does it without drawing a transmutation mm-hmm. circle. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It seems like he doesn't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't it's really like, think mm-hmm. about it until Al pointed it out. Mm-hmm. It's just like natural. Yeah, it was like it an seems. instinctive mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. After he saw the truth, mm-hmm. he was just able yeah. to do it. 
and he didn't have to think about it, which is yeah. interesting. Or he didn't seem to think about it. At least I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we move on to the rest of the truth, I think it's also important to note that their skill did significantly improve when they were with Izumi, as they demonstrated mm-hmm. oh, by yes. repairing the like building or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was good, at least. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I like also like we saw it a little bit in like the the earlier chapter when they first went back to Resinbull. But like you really always get this nice sense of like Resinbull being this like close small town where like mm-hmm. they all knew yeah, each other. Yeah. Like these other kids that you know, we don't know mm-hmm. their names, we don't know who the heck they are, but they come mm-hmm. and we're like, Hey, Ed and Al are back. <laughs> That's because we city folk, we ain't that friendly. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't bother to learn their name. No. <laughs> yeah. There was a dude at the station who was like, Hey, it's it's them. I hope they didn't mm-hmm. get get back too soon or whatever they didn't get kicked yeah, out. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. knew they were gone for this training too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You actually see those two a couple of times, I think, that those two train the kids? station. Oh, workers. the train people. So, yeah. Which is kinda <laughs> cute. <laughs> like, oh, it's those guys again. They're still working there. <laughs> oh, so they're not just exploding NPCs. They just... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um a little small thing, but yeah, with the barn. Uh another storm breaks a thing yes so i guess risenbull gets a lot of storms seems like but um the the thing i noticed was when they were getting all that praise i noticed that uh ed and al had that that long nose yeah what up with that <clears throat> yeah that's what i was i could have looked it that's, up that's um but... i've looked it up before i can't remember exactly what it is that's just kind of an anime language thing it's uh Mm-hmm. I have to look it up again. Yeah, because to me, like a long nose makes me think of Pinocchio. Like they're lying, <laughs> or, like they're guilty. And yeah, so there's I, some it, kind of like metaphor for that, work. and I can't remember what it is. Sometimes it like crosses over into the like Pinocchio thing, so sometimes it like works. But um, mm-hmm. but it's, kind of... I think it's basically the equivalent of like getting a big head or whatever. Yeah, getting yeah. a swelled nose. <laughs> <laughs> Tengu have the ability to grow or shrink a person's nose, apparently. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So it does seem like it's when they're getting arrogant or um, um, airhead, no, not airheaded, big headed. Yeah. Big, mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of thing. And and um, this this one uh, that I, it's a Yahoo Answers, but it says that in Japanese they say you're becoming a Tengu or getting a Tengu. So it is related to the the Tengu's ability to oh grow and shrink noses, yeah. Really? Oh. Oh. Oh, Tengu yeah, are here you conceived are. as the ghosts of the arrogant. Yeah, this is um this Hanaga Takai is an idiom that means proud, <laughs> means long nose. Yes, Wikipedia says Tengu, this is from, uh, it's in stories of the late century, Tengu began to blah, 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 okay. But then it says Tengu of this period were often conceived of as the ghosts of the arrogant, and as a result, the creatures have become strongly associated with vanity and pride. Today, the Japanese expression Tengu Ninaru, becoming a Tengu, is still used to describe a conceited person. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I learned. Yeah. I'm familiar with Tengu. I didn't know this yeah. about Tengu. Either. Like the Hanaga Takai means like to be proud and also it means like to have a long or high nose. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of that too. Yes. Cool. Cool. Today we learned. Yeah. About that's the thing I was looking up for a while ago but couldn't remember the details of. It's like it's mm-hmm. obvious that it has something to do with them being arrogant about their abilities. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so now is the time to talk about the truth. Have we finally so. left everything till the end? Mm-hmm. Yes. Truth is like Loki, one of my favorite characters in the <laughs> series. Oh yeah. I do like that the truth is like personified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah, this is kind of like with a horrifying grin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really striking after having like no features the entire time. And mm-hmm. Yes. That, that grin at the end. Yeah, the truth is portrayed as somewhat uh, Which, aloof, I guess. <laughs> the, the one thing about that that spot always bothered me is just I don't know maybe because of his head shape and all that when you see that grin. All of a sudden, to me, he resembles Gluttony a lot more. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think that's like on purpose, or like yeah, not necessarily not on purpose, but like mm-hmm. I don't think they're meant to be necessarily related. I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. it's just one of those things where I don't know. Just um, I think it's just a horrifying. It's meant to evoke the same sense of unease. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. I always, one of the parts that I remember, especially about the Fullmetal Alchemist, like, live-action movie, is the horrifying thing with all the tiny hands, like, pulling mm-hmm. them into the void. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not any less horrifying in the manga than it was animated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the first time I really noticed that the hands start to show up while they're doing their transmutation, mm-hmm. like, before he's even mm-hmm. dragged into the void. Yeah, it was very subtle. Void. Yeah. It's you like start to the... see, like, these, like, shadows, and then some of the shadows start to have the hands, hands, and then, yeah. It's the very first scene in the live-action version of Fullmetal Alchemist, so it's very striking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is like this scene when they're children. Yeah. At least I think it's the first scene. It's definitely the first thing I remember from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's like in a, in some earlier chapters we talked about like Ed's like atheism, agnosticism, whatever yes. his beliefs are and stuff. And I made some kind of joke where he's like. Like, I believe in God, but he's an asshole. This is kind of like <laughs> what's oh, referring yeah. to. It's like he's kind of met, like, the quote-unquote God of this world. But, yes. Um, mm-hmm. He certainly met the Godhead of this world, I guess. Yeah. You will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's the case. Mm-hmm. The Kabbalistic God of this world, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love the, the like, the Truth's um, little, like, speech when he first asks, who are you, is, like, one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, "Oh, I'm so glad you asked." And then, <laughs> like, like, I'm the world and the universe, and, and also stuff. you, and also you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, all is one is mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah. Did they? Did people like characterize this character as the truth? Like that's yeah, what we're referring what, to it, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it gets like referred to that generally in like the fandom, but also in like some of the like gag comics archives. John, <laughs> they have like bits where she like refers to him as Truth Coon, which is <laughs> really funny. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, generally most people refer to like that, you know, white void figure as the truth. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's not really the truth, but yes, more of a, a representation of the void, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's everything. It's yeah, exactly. It's the nothing. world or the universe yeah. or God or truth or all or yeah, one. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, the truth is just convenient shorthand to refer to that being. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do like that. I do appreciate the representation of the truth. You talk, We already talked a lot about like shadows and stuff, but how it's just mm-hmm. like all white, but that's kind of like mm-hmm. a little, sh- like a, a shadow around it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of creepy how its arm and hand fill in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ed's arm and, and leg. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Arm and hand. Arm and leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that final scene in that chapter where the, the arm starts to come in and it's just, it's just like back again, are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like how it doesn't even have. I mean, maybe it's shown later. I don't remember, but it's. I like how they even have. Uh, they don't even ha- show the, like Al's transmutation or whatever, um, mm-hmm. at this point. So it's like you can tell that that's what's happening because, yeah, I don't know. So he traded his mm-hmm. arm for his brother, and he. I my assumption is that he traded his leg for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. So um, actually, last episode I was talking about how. Uh, just sort of why the the human transmutation doesn't work is because and it turns out they kind of all say that in this episode so you know it's <laughs> a little bit more said explicitly mm-hmm. than i remember your big yeah, theory like... is very explicit yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that yeah you know um life and death is sort of uh like that's part of the cycle and like i mean i guess they don't specifically say that because one of my thing was the equivalent exchange like mm-hmm. you've lived your life now it's time to give the equivalent exchange of the nourishment and all that to the rest of the universe um and that's why you can't actually succeed in a a human transmutation yeah and then um but in exchange you you sort of come to this truth and you exchange part of your body for that truth um that was going to be the other thing but i forgot that that he explicitly says that that's the equivalent exchange for having the truth and not just a the rebound of uh the failed uh transmutation mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of a it's sort of like a twisted sense of like the fairness of equivalent exchange because it's like it's like well obviously you can't trade enough to get a human being but you're gonna trade something so here's some knowledge like yeah mm-hmm. um, so you're saying that the process is that the transmutation failed the transmutation itself failed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but I, I mean, I guess it, it maybe it didn't though, because I mean, I think Roy says that they successfully transmuted a soul, which I mean, I guess. Oh, well, I thought he meant to Al's Al's soul to the armor. <laughs> that makes way more yeah. sense. Because when, yeah. when Al starts talking, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like he has this yeah. expression on his face, like yeah. he recognizes that. Yeah. We forgot that... that a talking suit of armor was weird because we're normalized yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like how um, understated that is too. Like Al just starts like apologizing to him and he just kind of stares mm-hmm. at him with like that expression. Like you can tell like exactly mm-hmm. like that he's realized. He knows what happened. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it makes does make Roy out to be very intelligent and knowledgeable about alchemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like we kind of talked about before how like people know that it's like a. Th- it's notable that Ed can like do transmutations without, you know, without a circle and stuff like that. But I feel like Roy has a knowledge about human transmutation that other people don't seem to have because nobody else really thinks mm-hmm. about Al being a suit of armor, or Ed missing limbs, or like he saw mm-hmm. the circle and he knew what the circle was mm-hmm. for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. That like he seemed to that instantly is. know what happened when mm-hmm. he saw that room. Like, yeah. Or at least had an inkling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he knew... I mean, I assume what happened is that they told him what happened. Like, it's not like he... But I'm yeah, sure that he knew be. he goes to find them right away. He knew something terrible. Oh, yeah. actually, the the look on his face when he they first meet uh, and the contrast between sort of Ed's, like, sort of yeah. just dejected look and, and, mm-hmm. and Roy's... Ooh. Ooh, yeah, it's like good. he's, like, genuinely pissed. Like, that's the angriest we've ever seen Roy. Like, yeah, that's true, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Because he, I mean, it's not like he wants to, like, arrest a tiny child, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I'm sure after he heard the story, he calmed down, but he was kind of just like, you have yeah, to keep this a like, secret, and you must. You do? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he definitely seemed to know, so. 
and he seemed to know about mm-hmm. Al. But yeah, anyway, that's what I assumed that he meant by them being able to transmute a soul. Mm-hmm. The the homunculus definitely didn't have a soul. I think that that's what's meant to be communicated <laughs> yeah, by its yeah. creepy breathing and creepy soulless eyes and flopping about mm-hmm. and dying <laughs> immediately on the circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that 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 makes it sound like it's possible is after he sees truth, adds like yeah. one more time, and then I can I can figure out the, the how to do it. Like I was and so I close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if that's something that you can, the knowledge you can only get by giving up your entire body. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So it's still impossible, but at least you have the, you have the knowledge. Maybe. So I, but I don't know. Um, yeah. It's hard to say what the yeah. cost is. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. It's implied that you could though, because Ed is yeah. like, I was so close to learning the truth. And, you know, the personification of the it truth like- is like. Yeah, it seems like no, it's like abstractly a possible thing. It's just yeah. like whether yeah. a human being could actually like gain that knowledge and survive it is yeah. another thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Ed almost died. Like he definitely yeah. almost bled out to death. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, just from missing half of his leg. Like yes, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And his arm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he made it to the rock bell, so I'm sure they like stitched him up right away and stuff. Yeah, did mm-hmm. use their. <laughs> They have medical well, actually, he's like, thank God I'm best friends with Al had to take yes. him there. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, Al had to take him there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, I mean, he wasn't even able to probably get much farther than getting Al's body mm-hmm. yeah. temporarily. Yeah, like, we've seen, like, the one panel of, like, Al carrying Ed yeah, into to the, the Rock Bells in the past, and, then, like, Ed was not in good shape. No, point, he was probably so. already passed out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of blood. Yeah, that panel of him, like, screaming while he clutches at his leg when he's back in the real world is, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole thing is horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, yes, that one in particular. The one where he's being pulled in by the tiny hands and then the one where he is back in the real world. So it's kind of, I don't know, this whole process is kind of interesting if you take a step back. It's, like, so you, he, they tried to do this forbidden transmutation. It's forbidden against what seems to be, like, the laws of the universe. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what we're Mm -hmm. kind of talking, the level we're talking about. You go to this uh, place where he was able to see, like, you know, the origin of the universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like the truth is, to understand the deeper workings of the universe. Yeah. In exchange, but it's like, he didn't, it seems like he was brought there, but it's not like he cut off his leg and then tried to do a transmutation. It's like mm-hmm. he, the transmutation, he started the transmutation. And then was sort of like transported there, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's I don't know. It's kind of interesting. People yeah, who go like against kind the order of... of things get taken to this place. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of like the whim of the transmutation too, because you can actually see it. Like you know, it disintegrates Al completely. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to eat at El, at, at Ed's Ed leg before he gets pulled into the yeah the void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, and he even says take, take my, my arms, both of them, if you have to, or even my heart. So it's really like he's at the the. The mercy of the wit. The, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like whatever, true. whatever the truth whatever. decides a proper toll is yeah. for what he for what he wanted. Asking, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it seems to be sort so, of I mean, sort I guess... of. It's not like you can control it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it seems yeah. like, at least. Yeah, and then Al mm-hmm. didn't see it at all, which is also interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what's up with that. Mm-hmm. My assumption is that he was taken his his body and soul were taken in exchange for the for the homunculus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's my interpretation. Versus, it seems like like Al has no memory of after the start of the transmutation. Like doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he probably remembers it going awry. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't have the knowledge that Ed does. Mm-hmm. So that's why I assumed he wasn't taken there. Was t- taken directly to the, you know, to the source of all things that is represented here. That Ed gets pulled into later by the truth, by through the door. It's like Owl's already there, you know? Yeah. That's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got the direct ticket and yeah. had to talk to the creepy truth first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's not clear. That's just my interpretation of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, speaking of the doors, uh... yes. <laughs> the door is an important part, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So in the um, in the first anime, this got translated as the gate. I think it. Oh yeah. I'm not sure if it's been referred to as anything, and it probably hasn't actually been referred to like on t- on page yet. Um, but yet, I think yeah. it's technically called like the doors of truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the manga, um, but a lot of people just call it as like the gate or the portal or the doors. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they did. It does. It doesn't actually say in the text. They just keep still keep calling it that thing. It's like you didn't see that yeah. thing. It's like almost like they can't refer to it, which is kind of interesting too. Mm-hmm. It yeah. also, in and of itself, mm-hmm. like Ed, he said, like he understood everything beyond the gate, but it's almost like he can't verbalize it, mm-hmm. and neither can Izumi. Yeah. yeah, which is also interesting to me. Yeah, I think we get. Yeah, that's um, veering a little. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this implies that Izumi has been through oh, yeah. the doors and that's has right. truth herself since mm-hmm. she's asked Ed about like you saw that thing. Now we see what that thing refers to. I forgot I already made that assumption a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. She's definitely been through the... She's been to the same place as Ed. She definitely yeah. tried to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something bad. Yeah. <laughs> Which I assume was human transmutation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of some um, kind. Um, but yeah, the doors themselves. One thing I only really noticed this time is that it has the same like pattern like in the background. That like kind of alchemy pixely pattern that we've seen mm-hmm. before for when we see transmutations the, the texture oh. yeah it denotes that it's being alchemical oh yeah mm-hmm. but yeah the symbol on the door is um a representation of the tree of life mm-hmm. um which obviously that exists as a concept in a lot of like belief systems and like mystical things um <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's Listen, like I've, an, I've researched this for a while and I still don't understand it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, same mysticism, like actual like religions, but also like you know just sort of general like esoteric belief systems. I guess. Yes. Um, they co-opted it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one specifically that's on the door is a representation drawn by Robert Flood, who was a uh, a Paracelsian physician. What? In the I recognize uh, that name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy again. Yeah, the guy. Um. So another kind of, you know, connection to that guy with his alchemy and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like a representation of the, like, Kabbalistic uh, tree of tree life, of which has, like, the ten, like, aspects of God or whatever. I don't fully understand it. <laughs> it's a way too, way too just, deep a concept to, <laughs> to I watched, cover. I watched, like, three YouTube videos that were, like, the tree of life explained. And, like, none of these yeah. explained anything. Yeah, it's way too. Well, that's what that's just that's how the Kabbalah in, is. It's all metaphor. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's that's way what too it deep is. of a concept to go into in any kind of depth on this podcast. Um, my takeaway, I can tell you what my but, takeaway was. Yeah. Unless you have a thing you want to say well, first, it's, it's, all, it's all to do with like stuff about like the origin of like like how God and the universe and the human soul and all that stuff kind of came into being and like yeah, how God like reveals itself to the world and stuff. So yeah, to people. 
Yeah. Yeah, my my takeaway from my several hours of research, (laughs) anyone who understands this is free to send a a comment. I'd be curious (laughs) to understand it better. But my takeaway was like, basically, I guess the concept of Kabbalah is like the, I guess, whatever you want to call it, God or creator has this infinite creative, um, like energy. The tree of life represents that sort of like process, how God's creative energy manifests things into the physical world. So understanding that flow back and forth up and down the tree of life is a metaphor for understanding how to be or like met- understanding creation in that mm-hmm. esoteric mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So that's my takeaway from several hours. I have no fucking idea what any. Yeah, of- that's the general concept I was going to yeah. get so- into as it applies to like what we've seen so far of this it definitely applies to this so, yes. yeah <laughs> yes mm-hmm. yeah it's very interesting mm-hmm. it makes sense it all makes sense yeah. so ed's ability to understand and Izumi's, i guess ability to get information from behind this door that's marked with the tree of life yeah has given them some information about the i guess the true like flow of energy in the universe and that's how they can control things like without mm-hmm. using a representation with any kind of rune or yeah. any kind of equation of elements or whatever mm-hmm. they understand all the material of the universe on an intrinsic yeah. level yeah i guess it's so. kind of like like that intrinsic knowledge that they now have sort of becomes the runes like azumi says like yeah. that she mm-hmm. herself is the runes like i looked up the word that she was using because i was curious about that and it's mm-hmm. not at least the the kanji that that's used says like it's like the equation alchemical or construction equation mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how it's like literally translated not rune so it's mm-hmm. written as rune in english but really I, it makes more sense to me actually when you write it out that way like yeah the runes are the symbols on the on the outside of the alchemy circle usually or whatever that tell you yeah. like what elements are going where or whatever but i think when it's written as equation i think it makes makes way more sense it's like they know the process Mm-hmm. they don't and so the, they can represent the circle with their hands and then they don't it's like they and like ed, i guess ed saying like he's he immediately understood everything without having to like all the information that he was shown or whatever it's like yeah. he mm-hmm. understands the way of creation i guess <laughs> it's very interesting oftentimes mm-hmm. i see it translated as uh formula yeah i think that makes more mm-hmm. sense to me and that, yeah, i've seen think, i've yeah. seen runes equation and formula in like different translations i've seen mm-hmm. over the years so like rune think, makes sense of literally what it is that's represented, I yeah. guess, for for us English speaking types. Yeah. But I think runes works for like the individual symbols, and like yeah. equation mm-hmm. kind of works for like the sum of them all. Yeah, yeah. Especially on those like big transportation circles, like the human transportation circle, mm-hmm. there is a lot mm-hmm. of shit written on that. Yeah, you can't even detailed. see all of it, but it's very detailed. <laughs> as opposed to when it Edna or like Al fixes the radio in the first chapter or whatever, and it's just like mm-hmm. a couple triangles. Yeah, like the yeah. symbology is much. It does seem like an equation is required of like having the el- having the actual elements of the thing and then how they need to be structured. Like that's the part that the runes represent, and mm-hmm. that's the part that like Izumi and Ed don't have to know anymore because they yeah. they don't have to they don't have to write it out anymore. It's like they intrinsically can do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I guess if your scar is on your arm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another one of those just like like real world symbols that get used in Fullmetal Alchemist that like. It's like you can read the story without knowing any of this shit and it still makes mm-hmm. sense to you. Um, and you could just see it as like a and like she could have put just like some general esoteric nonsense on the door <laughs> and that would have also it would have also made sense. But I feel like 
having that kind of real world stuff where you can like look it up and go like, oh, mm. it kind of gives you a little, mm-hmm. a little more, you know, depth of flavor to the definitely <laughs> to the whole yeah. uh, like world building, I guess, of the well, yeah. of the universe. You also don't have to understand the like understand uh, Kabbalah either yeah. to understand <laughs> the story. Yeah, <laughs> like I get the general gist, which mm. I think is what. It's an interesting use of that specific imagery. Yeah. I love that beyond the door, there's the creepy eye in the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like an all, all-seeing all eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like what's behind the door is also has this personification, too, of like the little hands and the, yeah. the eye. Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's just such a such a striking moment. This is, like I said, this is one of my like favorite scenes in the series, but that mm-hmm. like... Like when the truth says, welcome, you arrogant fool, and the door opens behind you. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I like how much of a jerk the truth is. Pretty mm-hmm. great. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's just pretty straightforward about it. It's like, isn't this what you wanted? Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you the mm-hmm. truth. <laughs> you wanted knowledge. Here you go. You've traded. Yeah. I saw a translation. It might have even been the earlier biz translation. And I had him say, like, I'll show you true knowledge. And I was like, no, you messed it up. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> You can't handle the truth. Yeah, it means the same thing, but the whole concept of like the truth as a being and as a thing he's seeking mm-hmm. and all this stuff. It's like... Yeah, it's all tied together. It should be yeah. like that. It should be written like that. Yeah. So um, while he was seeing the truth, what I took it to mean, because like, you know, he saw basically the truth of the universe and at the end was his mom, right? Uh-huh. She was on the other side, but she, he was not able to reach her even with sort of the truth of the universe. Mm-hmm kind of again that that i thought again might mean that like human transmutation is impossible even with all that knowledge mm-hmm. he couldn't do it he was kicked out before you know yeah i think that's also um, why he felt like it's like i just need to see a little more it was just beyond my reach like mm-hmm. like he may or may not be right but i feel like he feels like he think like if he sees a little yeah, more yeah, he'd yeah. be able to get a little farther yeah mm-hmm. i feel like the fact that he could see his mom's like soul which i what i interpreted to be the representation of his mom's soul mm-hmm. could physically see it but couldn't grasp it like that implies that it is possible Mm. but i don't know or is it just wishful thinking who knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah on his part but the truth didn't really deny him it's not like the truth was like that's impossible that's true i don't know if the truth would be like that the truth seems kind of like a little shit so (laughs) (laughs) yeah the truth is like it's like this is your price for the information that i showed you but it seems like there was more so i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does that's, seem like there's more knowledge because he says, like, when Ed's like, let me see it again, he's like, no, no, that's all you can see for the toll you paid. Yeah, yeah. that's why I think it's, like, it's implied that there is a, a way to do it, mm-hmm. in theory. Yeah. But, yeah, the cost just might be too high. As mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the human cost may be too high. So. Perhaps if you're if you're trading yourself, but I don't know if you can trade others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was really interesting, and it is a really cool scene, mm-hmm. and I think it's a cool use of the, a cool tie into more esoteric thinking. I thought mm-hmm. the series was supposed to be about science. I thought all we're talking about is magic. That's all we've talked about <laughs> for the last like five episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's basically like if the science that alchemists thought was science was real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the sort of general concept of the. Yeah, it's the science, but then it's like, but then it's actually magic. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they're like, Ed is, Ed is like, oh, it's science that it costs this much for this much, but 
it's actually magic. Like, <laughs> it's actually like tapping into a overall cycle. Even Zumi says it's like you have, there's a cycle of flow of energy in the mm-hmm. world. And what alchemists do is harness it to create things. Yeah. So like, I would call uh, it like out of universe, I would call it a magic system. Like, yes. Like the fiction of Fullmetal Alchemist, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like in universe, like it has rules and people can research it and figure it out, so it's treated as a science. Like, yeah, I mean, universe. people research like, the like, yeah. people research Kabbalah. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't necessarily yeah, like the science. But. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, but it's yeah. like real. Like it actually works in Fullmetal Alchemist world. So that's are what you makes saying it that it doesn't work? We're, <laughs> yeah. we're treading in dangerous water with yeah. <laughs> that topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think the conceit is basically like if those like alchemists in like the like 1500s like. What if yeah, they were right? Real science. Basically, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were really turning shit into other shit with chemicals. Yeah. It's like they were doing science; they just didn't realize what kind of science. Yeah. They, were doing. <laughs> they thought they were doing magic science, not science science. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cosmo, you were going to say something. But... Oh, I uh, I think later in the series they sort of talk about a little bit more about sort of like where the energy comes from mm-hmm. for their alchemy, and that there's you could harness different sources of power mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so, I mean um again somewhat magical but like they really do go into sort of mm-hmm. the the science of it all and how it could be feasible in to a degree mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah yeah it all makes sense in universe like yeah i guess very, i'm not like, saying it's, it's abracadabra consist- yeah <laughs> but i mean to be fair there are some places that that install like a magic system that is they they talk about it the same way as like a formula you need to know the the science behind the magic and all that and like mm-hmm. Um, you got to make the potion the right way, otherwise you'll turn into a cat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Not that Sorry, I mean, that to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is. Um. Like spoilers, but we do meet people who use kind of a different kind of alchemy later oh. on in the series. So. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Not actually too far from now. I was flipping ahead because I had I made some minor adjustments to my uh, chaptering. Oh. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I was flipping ahead, and I was like, oh, it's not too far before we. Nice. Some fun good. characters. So yeah. So yeah, the truth. Today we learned the truth. Yes. Actually, we didn't learn anything, and Ed doesn't really know because he just kind of like learned it and then, like I said, absorbed, absorbed it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he understands yeah. it, but I don't think he. I was just thinking, like, for somebody who seems to know like all the secrets of the universe, he's such a little shit and doesn't figure things out a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's more. Well, of, there's I think, there's yeah. practical knowledge and then there's yeah. common. Sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It's completely different. <laughs> He has a knowledge of how to create things, something from things in the universe, but he doesn't know how to not be an asshole. It's completely yeah. different. <laughs> I think sometimes he knows how and just chooses not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, some good stuff. I was excited for these. I'm excited yeah. for what's going to... I don't know. There's just so much left. Mm-hmm. there's yeah. not that much left but there's like so many things i think are gonna happen what, we're about mm-hmm. a fifth way through yeah i think well, yeah, not quite a quarter so. of the way through because it's 108 chapters 108 okay yeah. yeah we're in 20 we just finished 24 we just finished 24 so out of 108 yeah i guess by the end of next week we'll be about a quarter of the way through wow so fast it's because mm-hmm. you did all these three chapter ones i was just looking yeah. at schedule yeah. and i was like Man, this this is gonna be a lot less episodes than our Fruba episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so much that like just flows right together. It's really hard to, especially at the end, it's really hard to break them up. Oh, but, sure, yeah. Yeah, I just like I said, I just went through and like tweaked a couple of the upcoming chapters because I was like, mm-hmm. this is a weird stopping point. I'm gonna pick this one too and <laughs> this one three. So. <laughs> yeah, and also just 
there's a lot that happens in every chapter. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I read yeah. it and I'm like, that was cool. And then I start to look at it again to like kind of, cause basically what I do is I read the whole thing through and then I like go through it again and make notes. And I'm like, oh yeah, that thing happened. That seemed like so long ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. learned about the door. That's like Ed just joined the military, but it's like, oh wait, they also like learned, he learned, he went to the, the void <laughs> and yeah. learned the truth mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like three years that happened in these two chapters, so mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I feel like every time there's a bunch of stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty efficient flashback. Like I feel like it is. Oh yeah, we got just enough information from Izumi, mm-hmm. or like I mean I don't know all the flashbacks, but specifically the one with Izumi. That's like okay, like she definitely told them not to do this and definitely warned them and yeah. trained them. Yeah, and but then you get also, like just enough yeah. to like establish like characters and, and the there. relationships and like what mm-hmm. kind of. Even when Rhea and, and, and Risa, mm-hmm. who could essentially yeah, be sidelined, but there's mm-hmm. a whole yeah, yeah it'd be so easy not section. to include Winry and Risa in that chapter. But yeah, but mm-hmm. it's so important. I made big eyes. It's important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that they dedicate the time to that. That um, that yeah. our dedicates the time to that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I say they too much accidentally. It mm-hmm. <laughs> Arakawa does it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Did it with intention, as we've mm-hmm. stated many times, but yeah. yes, nothing is an accident when you have to draw it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Okay, I don't have any other things to say, especially about the, about esoteric <laughs> teachings of any kind. You don't yep, want to go in depth same. on the Kabbalah anymore? I'm really tempted to keep watching YouTube videos about Kabbalah <laughs> until one of them makes sense. You'll come back and like five episodes and you've got this like board behind you and you're recording it's like okay guys no, I, <laughs> I think back, i figured it out i come back a couple episodes and i clap my hands and then i make a little tiny pony out of the desk that i'm recording <laughs> off of you're like i've seen you're like i've seen the truth I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was such a dick <laughs> yeah i don't know anyway uh all right. we're all done talking about uh kabbalistic uh yeah esoteric of life uh, and all that stuff yeah the truth yeah, the mm-hmm. truth and everything. We're all the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all you, <laughs> me, <Yes>. us. <laughs> Some blind uh, manner shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even Bowie thought it was funny. <laughs> all right, uh, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in and listening to our rambling. Um, Thank you. Next week we will be covering chapters twenty-five and twenty-six. Yay! Uh-oh. We're on to volume five. Of the full metal edition. Yay. It's probably in the middle of one of the old editions, though. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.